1: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate, King of Gate Update Edition for May 26, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on any podcast platform and application of your choice. You can find us on Twitter, at Open Voice Gate. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, I'm joined as always by my co host Case Slow and Case we are it's gone from 12 24 to 12 to six and soon we'll be at four king of gate keeps on rolling along he keeps on trucking and boy there there are some things we were right about but boy things have gotten kind of a little bit to a point where like okay i'm ready for this tournament to be over
0: I certainly hit that point by what will be the most recent Sunday, by the way people hear this, the second round of the C block matches after what I felt like was a really fun Saturday with the B block stuff and uh, Ishida versus Akuta and Doi versus Kai by Sunday, when that rolled around and you had uh, Ada versus Benkei and Dragon Die versus Sakamoto. I kind of hit a point where, okay, okay. I've seen this. I know what this is. I'm ready for something new and drag eight is doing the best they can with the hand they've been dealt. But King of gate at this point is missing something. It is, is missing that thing to pull people in. It sucks because this is a hype tournament with big names in it and big stakes and big implications. And, It almost it reminds me of like the situation with Major League Baseball right now where, you know, baseball has been dying for the spotlight. There's not a ton of stars in the league. What could they do to get things back on track? Well, they could find a way to play games at this time where none of the big four sports are going and there's nothing on TV and people are stuck inside. But instead you have, you know, a labor dispute going on and it seems like they're making no progress in that regard. Dragon Gate had a shot here to turn some eyeballs their way and to get people talking in a time where, with the exception of the big AEW match or the blunders on Mondays and Friday nights, there could have been a spotlight on Dragon Gate. There could have been matches to watch. There could have been guys to talk about. And there has been some very good stuff in this tournament, but nothing has been great I have yet to have a match where I have to, you know, message people and say go out of your way to watch this. It's yes, it's empty arena wrestling, but this is good. I promise. That hasn't happened yet. And after watching six shows uh, of of this format, and knowing that there are more down the pipeline, I'm not necessarily looking forward to what's to come.
1: And it's one of those things that there is a focus on Dragon Gate. I mean, I have at least through my experiences, I've had people been like, oh. A lot of people are talking about Dragon Gate now because Dragon Gate's happening versus, like, New Japan or companies in Mexico. So I'm kind of wanting to get into this. And they're like, I hear you all talk about these matches. Should I pick up this tournament? And almost universally, like, the idea—and I'm not the only one who's like Greg Mendes— is, like, go back to the May 22nd Empty Arena show, the first one they did at Kobe Sambo Hall. Watch that one first. I think it's still on YouTube for free. And if you like what you're seeing there— That will get you a better vibe of what you're getting yourself into before you go for King of Gate. And it's one of those things that it does seem like they're building to a point. As we're recording, Japan is opening up or has a plan for opening up. I know that Kansai, the area in Hyogo, the prefecture that Kobe's in, was not as hit up and hit as hard as Tokyo. And that's one of the advantages of Dragon Gate being a Kansai company is maybe they would be able to get some stuff going and be able to like look at dates inside of Kobe, go up to Sambo Hall and get, I know the number they said was 50% or 5,000 up to a certain date. And then 50% total get 300 people into Kobe Sambo Hall, maybe for a finals. Like that's not outside the realm of possibility here. And I think that's like what people can hope for coming out of this, but just like looking at this, like there has been some solid matches Not anything other than like making my list for being like three and three quarter stars matches case. Not like anything that at the end of this year I'm going to reflect back highly on. It's just been a lot of stuff going through it. A lot of like talking about that C block show, a lot of kind of disappointment from guys you were going to hope would either perform a little better or with like this, the overall like what's going on here. It would no big surprises here. I mean, I think we each. Picked all the block finalists easily, and now we're to a point where it's like, okay, Yamato's been solid in this tournament. Uh, Kaido Ishida has been solid in the tournament. Those are probably my two MVPs. But I look at the rest of this tournament, I'm like, okay, I wonder where we're going to get to. Because I know that I said either Yamato or Ada is winning this thing, and you and you said Naruki Doi, and I don't see a lot of reason for either of us to change our minds about that today.
0: No, I I'm still firmly locked in on naruki doi winning i think you're right i think yamato and Ishida have had a great tournament i have really liked the work naruki doi has done and unfortunately for as much as i pimp the house style of dragon gate and for as talented as i think these guys are because with the exception of the elite tier workers in new japan your zack saber juniors and your okada's and your tomohiro ishi's I, you know, obviously think the Dragon Gate guys are the best wrestlers in the world. But what stuck out to me during the B-Block show was that the best matches, you know, of this tournament are, with the exception of Yamato, well, it's Kai that's had good matches, and it's Kaisuke Akuda who's had good matches, and it's Ashita And that, that B-Block show was two matches that are the antithesis in a lot of ways of what the house style in Dragon Gate is, And it bummed me out seeing that just because I think so highly of these workers. And typically, I think it's maybe the most universally, uh, not appealing, but I I think it should be the most universal style in wrestling. And we're seeing in this tournament that in order to deliver, you almost have to subvert those expectations, do something very hard-hitting and very quick. And I like that style of wrestling, so it works for me. But you're seeing your dojo guys like A-10, Ben-K, disappoint to some extent, which is a bummer. So, Mike, through we've now had six shows. We covered the first three. On the first episode of this, we did. Of these last three shows, are there any matches that stick out to you of like, yes, you need to go watch this? Well,
1: I, I mean, there was a match that I said it's very much a me match and not at all a you match that I really enjoyed just for the sheer lunacy of it. So, I mean, I liked the tag match on Block A with Kness and Gamma versus Konamama Ichikawa and Sachioko Boy, but it's also... How do you like that kind of style of comedy and put up with that? So I'm just going to put that off by the side. But...
0: 12 minutes, Mike. That hey. match went 12 minutes. No, Yamato that match went five KZ seconds. The...
1: <laughs> it went five seconds, five seconds, five seconds. Then it went 12 minutes.
0: So it's longer. We're closer to 13 at this point. Mike, Four falls. KZ... Four falls. KZ versus Yamato. That's two of the 25 best wrestlers in the world. That match went 14 minutes and you're telling me that I've gotta sit through and I like Stalker Chikawa. We all know that I love Kines. Gamma's the best worker in the world. But you're telling me I had to sit through fourteen, almost fourteen minutes of that bullshit in an empty arena? I was offended.
1: I mean, I I, I thought it was charming the fact that they decided to do the exact same old shit, and that amuses me immensely. But yeah, like getting away from that. Uh KZ versus Yamato is exactly how they should work these kind of matches, especially with uh, KZ being this person that is the closest thing I would say to a uh, upper mid Carter in any promotion in the world other than, like, Tomohiro Ishii, that, like, he will beat everyone you expect him to beat, but when he you have him go up against the top guys and against the top guy in Yamato, you have an innate struggle that draws you into the match more, and I felt like that Yamato eventually, like... Getting out with the skin of his teeth and just going, planning him the gallery and saying, "I'm done with this. No, I'm I'm done with you for the match." Thought that was really compelling on night one. And really, if you're looking to to like sit outside, set some time aside to watch some matches, like really watch that one, watch all of the Block B stuff, and uh, read a book.
0: I uh, spent a lot of my Memorial Day outside reading. I only read nonfiction, and I'm at a point in my life where I'm pretty much only reading oral histories. And yesterday I got lost in a book outside in direct sunlight when it was about 85 degrees out. And I'm extremely sunburnt today because not once did it cross my mind to wear sunscreen. Wasn't even a thought. And then I came back inside and I immediately saw the discoloration on my biceps and on the tops of my feet. And I knew I was in trouble and indeed today I have been in quite a lot of pain. So if you're going to read a book outside, watch King of Gate outside, whatever it is you do, please wear sunscreen because my body hurts. (laughs) I co-sign Mike's thoughts on KZ versus Yamato. The thing with KZ is that I am so morbidly curious to see what his role in the generational warfare Angle would have been had it not been disrupted by this pandemic, because watching Yamato versus KZ, it really struck me that KZ is now at a point where yes, he is the greatest lovable loser in a post El Generico wrestling universe. Like KZ is great as the guy that is good, but not good enough. But KZ might be too good in that role. And I just can't help but wonder what is in this guy's future? I mean, it seems insane to think, you know, to look at KZ in 2017, let alone 2013, the guy this role played in the and, and the role this guy played in the company, but you look at 2020 KZ, it's like, son of a bitch, that's a world champion right there. I mean, that is a guy that should be winning the Open the Dreamgate championship at some point in his career, and I really wonder if this generational warfare was going to elevate him to that spot. And now that we're in King of Gate, well, it's safer to give Yamato the win. Yamato is the true ace of the company. But I just, I'm fascinated by KZ's current role because he's almost too good to lose. Like, it just seems insane to me that this guy is losing all these big matches because he continuously delivers but I think the Yamato versus KZ match is the best match of the tournament. Night two, I think watch uh, the block matches from that show, and then I'll move on to night three just real quick. Uh, we'll circle back to it, but for me, the best match was actually the bonus six-man tag with Yoshino Fuji and Kanda versus Oji Shiba, Tamanaga, and Kota Minora.
1: Oh, that was a blast of it. Like, really, these bonus matches, it's good to, like, give this. It's something that... Maybe this this is probably a better topic for a longer episode that we're not we're we're keeping this tight here for this week, but getting Koda Minor and getting OG, who is a part of the bulk club, into the ring for that match. And it just was like a really fun stiff match. Don Fuji was just having his time, beating up people. masato Yoshino taking it off as much as he's able to take it off this time
0: a big like hands around the back of the head and like a big exhale like that was Yoshino's night which is like I'm gonna take it easy you guys not respect it It, this this is not for me I will do my moves at the end but this match eh, I'm gonna give it the the Seinfeld hand wave not not for me I remember him doing four spots in this match the whisper that's exactly how how many I counted those poetry
1: in motion (laughs) Slingblade, Torbellino, Sol and
0: Call it a day, boys. No reason for any other moves. Real house wrestling. show vibe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was not the house show dive, it was the house show vibe. That is yeah. exactly it. Mike, you mentioned the Bolt Club. Would you like to run down uh, Dragon Gate's newest unit, the unofficial unit that is the Bolt Club? Well, it, it's a subset
1: of the uh, Dragon Gate army, the Trueborns, that if you've watched these shows and you don't keep up with these guys on social media, who boy, you're in for a treat because Banke put on like 20 pounds, 20 kilos of mass over a month and he's not the only one. Oji Shiba is looking like a tank. Jimmy, bless his heart, he's put on he's put it on too. He's looking like a big dude now. And like it's not just like that these guys are just like getting big because they aren't doing stuff. The drag these kids are still having like full training days they're still like having the same thing but what what else is there really to do you're not going to shows you're not setting up shows so you're just going to be continuously eat protein go do your morning workout lift weights eat do your afternoon pro uh, workout eat again probably maybe go lift some after all that and that's what these kids have been doing for the past two months and boy the bulk club is taken off the one person I'm surprised has not joined the bulk club but I think that's also because He's one of the two members in the Tan Club. However, is Keisuke Akuda.
0: Well, Akuda, his hype beast uh, shenanigans have not stopped. Oh, no, uh, they he have is not. He's still uh, decked out in supreme and gold chains on a daily basis. He's a Balenciaga guy, more so than anything. Yes, I think that is a very good way of describing that. As for Jimmy, Jimmy is twice the size. Of the person he was when he came into this company. And, and it that, looks good.
1: It looks good on him. Like, let's be big. fair.
0: It's, like, it's muscle mass that makes sense. My fear is that Ben K is getting too big. As for Jimmy, he's bulked up to a point where now he looks like a, a legitimate wrestler. He's no longer... The Kenny King level preliminary wrestler like Jimmy looks like he can beat some guys. The issue (laughs) is that Jimmy clearly has not worked a ton with this new muscle mass. And if you watch his match, there are two different times where he goes to do a springboard where he sets it up kind of like a lion salt where he's diving from the inside onto the middle rope. He does that twice in his match and both times slips on the rope and looks very, very uncomfortable doing it because he's now throwing his body around in a completely you know, it's it's a different body. I mean, we saw the same thing with Ricochet where twenty ten and, and part of twenty eleven Ricochet was like you know a, a a grocery store bag in the wind. He could just you know throw himself around and not really fear anything. But he put on some muscle and it became an entirely different body and his moveset had to change because of it. Jimmy is not as drastic yet. He's also missing tribal chest tattoos, which I hope he avoids. But. Jimmy is now a completely different person than the one the person he was when he came into the company, and I really like that he is bulking up. I hope the booking will reflect his more serious look now.
1: And it's something worth noting that they brought him back considering all the changes and all the, the situation with Gaijin that they like Jimmy. Jimmy is a, a guy that I think I was really enjoying him on the under- undercards last year, and I think that he's really improved, and it's going to be exciting because if he's someone that can just... Spend as much time as possible. I think this is another six month stint for him, so I think it's gonna be like last year. He could be someone that like leaves this dojo at the end of this year, and really, if there are any independent bookers who want to try to get in on a new hot wrestler, Jimmy is one of them. Like Jimmy could be a guy coming out of it. It's just gonna take time, and it's something that I have all the confidence in the world he'll have it. But I mean, it was interesting because you had like this five minute uh, Super Shisa and Ho Ho Loon match versus problem dragon and jimmy five minutes and it was just was like a good time and just block b was just a good time and i mean the bo- the bonus match on block c another good time og's gained some ring time he desperately needs ring time Koda Nora, this is he's not worked as much as you think and that's going to be a problem and this is something that again i want to say for a future episode where we just talk about some topics because i have some ideas in mind where we just get in a conversation about stuff but these guys getting this time here and this time is so crucial in their development. And unless like they are able to find more ways to get this, this is important for your OGs, your Minodores, your Jimmy's to be able to have these bonus matches. So I find them important for the development, but we cannot really go without talking about the best night of King of Gate. And that is the May 23rd show B block round two. We, we, we talked about it a little bit briefly about how these matches were completely different than usual. We had Kaido Ishida versus Keisuke Okuda. Kind of the one rivalry that's kept on during this whole entire thing, Case. And then we had Kai versus Naruki Doi.
0: Yeah, I've said uh, my piece on these matches for the most part. I will say I loved the finish of Ishida versus Akuda. I was really so unsure of how they were going to do that because it's two guys that still need to be protected in the booking. Well, they do a very clever countout finish. It didn't feel lazy it felt like a worthwhile chapter in this larger story that's being told. And then Doi and Kai, uh, I could tell from the preview video that the Dragon Gate Network uploaded. I was like, hmm, Doi versus Kai looks pretty good. And I I was looking forward to it going in, and it's a match where those two just beat each other up, and then Doi won with another V9 clutch. So I expect that to come into play in the block finals, that roll-up that he does. But block uh, the, the Block B matches have, for the most part, all delivered up to this point. And I think the May 23rd show, top to bottom, has been the most enjoyable of any of these shows.
1: Yeah, so we've mostly touched on Block B, Block A. The only other result we didn't talk about was Diamante defeated Yosuke Santa Maria in nine minutes with the Volta Finale. It was fine in my mind. You know, it just it was there. I mean, Diamante was going to win that match. Like, that was just one of those things that it just was we had that and you know i'm someone that yosuke is another interesting person that you know like that there's a ceiling and that was kind of the ceiling but then we get in the block c and oh boy which one do you want to talk about first
0: well i i don't have a ton of thoughts on dia versus sakamoto it wasn't a bad match i it was just it was kind of like the yoshida match where i was like okay I know the spots that are going to happen in this match. And right. they occurred, and it wasn't offensive. I mean, it was a fine match. It was just lifeless. Had the match before it delivered, it would be like, okay, that was okay. Then we had this other good match. But instead, Ben K versus Ata became the biggest disappointment of the tournament. And, uh, I mean, uh, Mike, ha- I, we haven't talked about this. How did, how did you feel about Ben K versus Ata? It just had zero life.
1: It had nothing going on with it. One thing that they have been doing, which I kinda like, is people on each side of the war who have been eliminated come out for their for their compatriots matches. So RED has had a lot of people eliminated, so you've had you've had like Hyo, Yoshida, uh Shimizu out for basically every single one of these matches. So there was a little bit of life and you had you had Strong Machine J out consistently for Benkei and all the Trueborns. So, like, that's nice because then you get a little bit of crowd noise with that, which is desperately needed. It just felt like it was, like, a 15-minute like, like a fifteen minute finish, and then the Imperial Uno, you know, which has always been kind of... Uh, Eita doesn't really have a flash pin. He has his super kick, and he got a super kick and went. It just was one of those things that... I, I know that this is a cool-off period for Benke, and that's fine. It's just one of those matches that, for Eita, who's someone who's really made his career... In a lot of ways and got him to this role where he's pushed as a one when he's really a two out of great King of Gate performances. That's his bread and butter. Did not happen at all. Was very kind of just rote. And it kind of was the same thing with uh, Kazma and-, and Daya. I wish Kazma did a little bit of bullying we gotta see a little bit more of an underdog Daya getting it out and with by the skin of his teeth, and that didn't happen.
0: I think the Ben K versus Ata match is a far bigger indictment on Ata's star power that it is Ben K's because the fact is we've seen Ben K deliver in big spots. We've Against seen Ada. Ben... Yes. Which I know that was the finals of King of Gate last year. I have no memory of that match though. And I was looking for a review real quick, but it, I, I don't know if you reviewed the show, but I know I did not review the show. So for whatever reason, I don't have notes on it. I don't remember that match, but Benkei headlined Kobe World last year, and he delivered, and he headlined the back half of the Big Five shows last year and delivered and looked like a star. Ata, for all intents and purposes, has been a very good Twin Gate champion at times, uh, has been someone that has consistently pushed, but Ata's best matches have happened in the mid-card. I mean, ultimately, you know, great matches against Akira Tozawa and Susumu Yokosuka— you know, you and I, if we train for a month, we might be able to have those. Ata's shining moments have been, yes, in King of Gate, but they haven't been headlining appearances. They they haven't really been anything that's truly mattered in the landscape of the company. When Eita's put on top, whether it be Antios or this R.E.D. run before Pac. He's floundered in that position. And this was a shot with all eyes on him. Yes, it was an empty arena match, but if you have star power, if you are someone that is going to succeed in the big spot, we've seen it with KZ. KZ killed it in both of his matches. ATA failed here against Ben K. And it was one of those things where I just look at ATA and, you know, I go so hot and cold on him because I hated the Dragon Kid feud, but then. There's that good Aita that's out there, that 2014, 2015, 2016 Aita. I know that's deep down in there somewhere. He was turning it around before, you know, the world shut down. But you look at him here and it's just like, man, what is this guy? Like, I mean, what is is his ceiling? He's not a Dreamgate champion. So why is he in this upper echelon of talent when I don't seriously believe that he could beat them? Because I don't think he could put the company on his shoulders and run.
1: Well, I mean... That's why I propose Ata as a possible champion. Because out of everyone, and this might be a big surprise, for someone who's been in the main event scene for better parts of two years now, and has been a part major part of the roster and seeking back an excursion, he's the oldest person not to have a dream key. He's the oldest person not to even, like, other than the Puestas match, not headline a big five show. He's not, like, had this level. So that there's this perception gap on that he's booked really strong but he's not booked super strong to like the extent of where you would think someone at his seniority and at his rank should be pushed but at the same time you get stuff like this and you're like should he really be pushed like this and you see crowd responses and you're like should he really be like this and it's like a big conundrum because you have in the other block someone like Kaido Ishida who you watch him you're like I could see projecting him out to be like a Dreamgate challenger i could project him out possibly as a big heel unit leader
0: and he was over that's the thing you yeah. you were the one that really brought it to my attention was listen to the calls that ishida had been getting i mean as a face and as a heel he was undeniably over and now and he looks I like never, a tall psychopath and it's great i never feel that way with Ata. Eita. Ata's there he he would get sympathy he got a bunch of sympathy calls in
1: 2016 when he started to put it back together and the whole Super Jacob thing. Like he was over, but it wasn't to an extent that you would turn on a Kobe Sambo Hall show or or turn on a Kyoto or Hakata Starling show and you'd hear a lot of like Kaido Ishida calls, like to the extent that Kaido Ishida's gotten.
0: And while you're right, and I agree, and you know it's great that Eita got a rub from Jushin Thunder Liger of all people. That was also four years ago. I right. mean, we are, you know, knee deep into this extended ATA heel run, and there are moments that have been really bad, and there are moments that have not been as bad. I don't know if I can pick out a continuous stretch of heel Ata, especially in a post-T-Hawk world, because for all of T-Hawk's faults, I still thought the tag team with T-Hawk and Ata was great. But in a post-T-Hawk Dragon Gate, I mean... What's what's there for Ata to choose from? What's on his resume other than a Dragon Kid feud that I thought was redundant and drug on way too long? I mean, it's
1: tag team work, and that's not something you could really put your uh, put on the laurels of who should be your heel leader. And no, just...
0: again, R.E.D. was in such a better position when Pac was there because Pac was a legitimate top of the line guy. And when and Pac is him. not there. You can it hide is a Eta. huge problem. Yes, exactly. You could hide Ata. When Pac is not there and when they are not putting Ashita ahead of Ata, which I, I don't think they're wrong for not doing that because Ashita is the Brave Gate champion and I think you have to keep that title within a certain limit. But now Ata's your top guy and it's like, yeah, I mean, well, let's, I mean, let's talk about these block finals. It's yeah. Yamato versus Diamante, which, you know, Diamante has a job to work with Ultimo, but he's improved, and although there is uh, a less than .01% chance he would win this match, like, okay, fine, that's the roll of the dice. It just so happens Yamato is going to have, you know, an easy time there. Then the B-Block Finals is Ishida versus Doi. It's a champion versus champion match, and it's two guys that feel really hot right now. Within your C-Block match is Dragon Daya, who for the past seven months has been the hardest push act in the company, someone that is continuously getting focus and attention and big wins. And he's wrestling ATA, which like, yeah, it's a big win if he wins, but it's just Ata. It would be a much bigger deal if he beat Ashita, title or not.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things that I could see for Daya, at least the storyline has been that he's had nothing but R.E.D. members he's face off against and ones that have been bigger than him. And he's been able to take care of them and, in pretty convincing fashion so it's like okay now he faces the ringleader and this is why i said i could see dia winning the block because then you could bring ada back through the second chance battle royal and put him back through and it's fine they've had winners of the battle royal and el Numeruno win the whole entire thing so like it's a weird situation and it's one of those things that yamato versus diamante could be really interesting just with like how yamato just is kind of has his own style and diamante I mean, Ishida versus Doi. That's my most anticipated match of the tournament. As soon as I had an idea that this was going to be the way, this had this match had to happen. So I'm really sick for this. But then like DIA versus Aita, I can go either way with this. And at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, DIA beat everyone in the heel unit. That's good for him. But what does it mean when you're beating Aita? And then Aita beats Daya. He should be beating Daya congrats, Ada, you might win the big one, and you might get like the uh, award of winning, which is something that he needs, but it's not going to matter, you know?
0: Yeah, so let's quickly review our block finals predictions because we went 100% in the second round and accurately predicted the six guys that are left, but for the three matches in the Battle Royal, uh, Mike, who did you have winning those?
1: I had Daya beating Ada. I had Yamato beating Diamante, and I think I had Doi winning, and then the yeah, Battle Royal. And then the Battle Royal I had Eta winning the Battle Royal.
0: Yeah, so I'm at Yamato winning, Doi winning, Ata winning, and then I have Yokosuka coming out of the Battle Royal, and the Battle Royal will take place on May 31st on the Dragon Gate Network. And that will also feature, and I think this is the last thing we have to cover on the show, unless I'm forgetting something, but the UT return match. Mike, it is UT versus Ultimo Dragon. What is this match?
1: It's a match that I'm incredibly here for, because if UT is sticking with Yaveo, him and Ultimo have a very interesting match.
0: I think this is the match that we will learn a lot about who Ultimo Dragon is at this point in his life. And that maybe isn't as personal as it sounds, but I mean, there's... I've gone up and down on Ultimo since his return. I am glad to an extent that he's back. I also just have, you know, small issues here and there. If he eats up UT in this match, I am going... To be very, very upset because UT is someone before he got hurt who, you know, this time around, because he had a career of injuries, and quite honestly, it was looking like a failed dojo kid up until he adopted the Yave style, was able to turn it around, and was in that cluster of Ashida, Jason Lee, Akuda, UT, Like, those were the guys that were consistently delivering. And right as UT was hitting his apex, he got hurt. He's been gone for basically a year now. Him and Ultimo is a fascinating match when you look at the egos involved, when you look at the career UT's had. And then also the in-ring style. It's a chance for Ultimo to possibly work with someone who is going to slow things down, who's going to keep things on the ground. But UT is as good of a grappler as the company has at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, UT up until he was injured was my worldwide technical wrestler of the year. Like he was doing unique things. I I will still, if there are wrestlers losing to this, you need to watch this UT versus Super Shisa match from, prime zone last year it was one of the most unique matches that i've seen in a long time he does something that's very special and it works very well for him and with ultimo as a guy who's in his 50s he he's i don't think he's ever gonna hit that aside moonsault he he's just slowed it down and with someone like this that ut should be someone he's very comfortable working with because you look at the people that he was primarily working with in mexico so there's a lot to be done here if ultimo eats him up that's terrible and that's that, that that casts a shadow that I thought might not be a shadow anymore, and you know, for Ut, he really could have been like one of the big, uh, just tragic stories of of Dragon System. I mean, I would put it up there with like Yamamura in a lot of ways, and someone that just turned into fiberglass Katoka, like out of that era, that just a lot of people just really got hurt, but he seemed to put things together. and And I'll say this one thing: this ultimate match should not is a good match for him to ease back in on right
0: oh yeah no it's i mean it's one thing for you know him to go in there against mochizuki or doi and you know get his head kicked off but against susumu exactly but you know ultimo it's it's exactly that it's easing him in and i think we're going to learn a lot about where the company values ut at this point i think we're going to learn a lot about where ultimo's head is at and i hope that on this show, that is just the second chance battle royal and then UT versus Ultimo. I hope we get a good match out of it. It's going to be interesting. I
1: think that that with how this t- torn this tournament, not to like pat ourselves on the back about, it's very easy to go chalk on this tournament. But this May thirty first show is probably one of the biggest moments of intrigue in the promotion, at least when it looks like things might start opening up and there might be some sort of Kobe world
0: indeed indeed mike i'm looking at my timer and we're at 34 minutes and we tried to keep these to a half hour is there anything else you needed from me on this show
1: nope hey we're three minutes down from last week we're, we're getting better at this maybe, maybe by the finals where we have just the semifinals and the finals we'll be down to 30 minutes on the dot but yeah that's it uh let's get our plugs out of the way uh you can find me at fuji hey or at the podcast account open voice
0: I'm on Twitter at underscore in your case, and also tweeting from the Open the VoiceGate podcast Twitter account at Open VoiceGate. Mike and I have been trying to tweet more from there. That is all I have, Mike. Is that all you have?
1: That's going to be it for this episode of Open the VoiceGate. We'll be back with you next week with your next King of Gate update. Take care